Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Value Stocks podcast with your hosts, Felix Nothnagel and myself, Alex Middleton. Today is January 14th, 2019, and we are talking about FedEx Corporation, symbol FDX on the New York Stock Exchange. Current market cap for FedEx is $44 billion and enterprise value of $59 billion. Current uh, PE uh, is 9 and EV to EBITDA multiple of 7. The shares are currently trading at a price of $171, down from $274 earlier this year. So what do they do? Well, I'd be surprised if most people aren't kind of familiar with FedEx, but maybe to give it a little bit of a breakdown. So they do express shipping, parcel delivery, basically. And the competitors are UPS and United States Postal Service. And then internationally on their express shipping, it's DHL. Uh, so they have three to four kind of business units. The fourth one, super small services. So let's ignore that one. Their biggest one is uh, FedEx Express. So they do express shipping and they have a global market share of uh, 30% and DHL is number one with 38% market share. And then they have uh, FedEx Ground, which is a small package ground delivery, which is like which are like those vans that you kind of see from UPS <laughs> and FedEx driving around. And they have a twenty-seven percent market share, uh, up from ten percent in nineteen ninety-eight. And then their last business unit is the FedEx Freight, and uh, they do less than truckload freight, where they have. 18% market share up from 9% in 2004. So yeah, it's those are the bigger trucks and if you need couches delivered or things like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and some other smaller business units as they categorize into their FedEx services yeah. segment, which is, I only think it's like 3% of revenue. But, Tiny. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I ignored it for my <laughs> okay. uh, kind of look at the company. Uh, do you own any of it? No. Yeah, me neither. Um, I think yeah, that was this. This stock was your idea, and I agreed. But why? Why did you choose it? Uh, well, it's an interesting company. I've owned it in the past, um, and it's, it, it's a popular stock, and it's it's a high quality stock. I think it's a good business. So it's one of those stocks that uh, I kind of follow, and, and I find it interesting because I have a logistics background. Um, but then the, the 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 big reason I think I wanted to talk about it and mentioned it to you was there was a huge price decrease recently from, as mentioned, two hundred seventy four dollars down to uh, today's one hundred seventy one dollar close closing price. Yeah. Um. So that's down quite a bit. And that's basically the reason why I agreed to. Yeah. And it's not like it's a tech stock that had a PE of two hundred and it dropped forty percent. It's a blue no. chip stock. So if if it drops if something like that drops forty percent, it's kind of like oh. It's interesting. It Let's could be. Like, we did, I don't think we either of us had really had a valuation before no. for deciding to look this look into this. So we wanted to see: is it a good deal now? And uh, yeah, generally, when you think a stock drops forty percent, it should be a good deal now. But <laughs> found interesting how many articles I found online that were written on the stock. So yeah, okay. a, a lot of people apparently look at it. And also found it interesting how how similar how similar it is actually to the last stock we did, CN Rail. Right. There's certainly certain differences, but yep. quite a lot of kind of yep. similarities. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what were some of the positives that you kind of... Um, so, well, brand recognition, which we kind of talked about, everyone, well, at least in North America, knows FedEx. Mm. You, know, you get your FedEx package. If you work in an office, there's FedEx packages and well in Canada post in Canada or priority courier um, so if you want to get something there reliably and you can track and that's that's FedEx so the, the brand recognition for me is it's it's a huge positive because they've been around since the early 70s and they have a lot of trust built into the consumer mindset uh, uh, when you want to deliver a package okay it has important documents or whatever um, I think they have uh, another huge advantage into being one of the first mover advantage. Well, they had first mover advantage when they started this company up in the 70s. And they've gradually gone on with the market trends of, of 
more transparent uh, shipping in terms of the, you know, the shipping details, you know, seeing where your package is whenever, and they've invested in the technology and they've kept ahead of their competitors. And I think they've managed to build out their network to, you know, where it's, it's really hard to penetrate. Um, and then also I think their leadership has, has been fantastic. I mean, they still have the, the founder as CEO, Fred Smith, and he's knows everything about the company and he's brought it a long way. So I think there, yeah, I think there's a lot of, those are the positives I saw with the company. And, um, hmm. yeah. Did you see anything else? Well, we already mentioned stock price tank, but that's right. a positive for me. If you yeah. don't own the stock already, yeah. it's yeah. it's nice to see yeah. a yeah. kind of nice blue chip company dropping a lot. It'll, it might make it interesting. So I like that. Uh, I like the great performance they had over the last 40 years. Uh, I looked at the stock price and it kind of uh, grew at 12% annualized. So that's before dividends. And that you do that for 40 years, like giving me a stock that's going to do that for the next 40 years. And I'll be very happy to invest a big chunk of money. Yeah. So very good performance. It grew market share in a lot of segments over the last 40 years or so. Uh, so And both of those probably have a lot to do with the leadership and, and their management. And uh, I think you can expect reasonable good growth going forward was like tailwind of online shopping i like that it's a consolidated industry so yeah it's kind of oligopoly or so it's always better than highly fragment well i guess maybe not always but it, it helps kind of in terms of pricing and and then i think the last one that i had is uh oh like massive infrastructure investment so yeah. it's not easy for competitors to come in and right. kind of duplicate that or or they might not even have the interest of coming in and, yeah. and duplicating that their their whole infrastructure the planes the vans the uh distribution centers that they build so yeah that's what i had kind of yeah they cap well what you mentioned was a positive which it is a positive capital intensity of the business can also be kind of a negative if you look at it from a certain perspective because a lot of their earnings would have to be invested into sustainable capital that, that maintains their, their present level of earnings, right? It's also my number one negative. <laughs> so makes it easy, right? So yeah, and, and, and as you mentioned earlier, it's, it's, that's a similarity with CN Rail is that you know they have a lot of sustainable capital they have to reinvest into their business, like the rails that they have to upkeep. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, for transitioning into things we don't like about the company, that was my number one. Um, I guess not necessarily priority, but, uh, the number two, I, I think, um, I think the FedEx ground business, you know, I think is becoming more competitive because you start to see Amazon trying to handle their more, their own freight. I don't think they're, FedEx doesn't see them as a, as a, a huge threat right now. Mm -hmm. Um, at least based on comments I saw from Fred Smith. Yeah. online there um but it could grow but um yeah, that that one's an interesting one right it's yeah. i definitely think it's a big factor why the stock price yeah. tanked like it, that's right. a, a lot of the worry with amazon buying a bunch of planes and people mm -hmm. are like oh are they going to be competitors and it's a, it's a question like is amazon a tailwind or a headwind for for them because it could also be a tailwind right because yeah. maybe amazon doesn't really want to duplicate their like all the infrastructure maybe in certain routes, but uh, do they want to like spend like, uh, doesn't Amazon have a better place to spend their capital with yeah. better returns than yeah. uh, spending it on all this kind of, uh, yeah. kind of capital intensive uh, infrastructure type of yeah. things. I, I think it's, it's going to be tough for them to Amazon to replicate. I think yeah. it would be just because the size of, well, you talked about that the the, the infrastructure that yeah. needed to set everything up, right? Yeah. And to create a network like FedEx already has, yeah. that's that's their moat. And uh, if Amazon, well, if any competitor sets up, you can't just focus on one route or a few really high, a highly profitable or really or um, high volume routes. At least if you're going to market that services to other companies. 
that's because another problem. So are they going to market it? Like, are, are, the, are think, competitors yeah. from Amazon and online shopping, will they want to ship with Amazon or will they go to FedEx? Yeah, it depends on what Amazon's goal is. Are they just looking to in-source it to, to, to improve their service and their I think product? That, that's what it is. I think initially that's what, but I think that's what happens with a lot of their businesses initially. <laughs> and then they, good, yeah, good point. I think it's, it's really hard. It will be really hard for them to duplicate what FedEx has. And, yeah. uh, because you can't, yeah, you can't just have the, the high volume routes because someone from, I don't know, some small community, Sudbury, Ontario, wants to send something up to Yellowknife or, or Dawson Creek, Yukon, and, and FedEx as a, as to, to protect their brand. And they have to have a way to service that, whether it's through third party mm. or through their own infrastructure, they have to have something set up to do that. And I don't know if Amazon just really wants to go down that route. Maybe yeah. they will, but I, I don't think it's a, a high risk. Yeah, to me, I was I, I thought it's you know it's a little bit of a risk and worth yeah. watching, but it doesn't yeah. seem right now yeah. uh, as uh, kind of significant as they're like uh, destroying some other businesses. Or... Yeah. That being said, I, I with FedEx Ground. Or with the ground business, I've, I've noticed some other companies, and at least in my area, that are doing daily deliveries. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's a you know it's a company that's contracted by FedEx yeah. or UPS that's handling their surplus you know seasonal yeah. uh, volume, or if it's going to be regular. But uh, I I don't think to attack the ground business is probably not. There's not as much uh, barriers to entry as there would be to handle their express, you know, with with the airlines overnight deliveries and everything. Yeah, I think that's um, probably correct. I think so, I think they they purposefully use third parties like FedEx uses like US Post for like their last yeah, kind of mile delivery mile. or something like that. Yeah. So So that was uh, my number two yeah. thing I don't like about the company, but it's not a horrible thing. Um Returns, uh, I think the returns going forward, I mean, I don't think they're necessarily, they're probably going to, they're going to be better than the market in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, over time, they probably, the growth of the business will probably contract somewhat, um, like any business, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, yeah. yeah. And then also, I think, you know, the TNT acquisition that they made a few years ago is still, they're still trying to do, there's still charges having to do with integration as well. Um, yeah. So, Yeah, I didn't have that as a negative really, but I, I agree with you. Seems to have some problems with it. Mm-hmm. Costs seem to not go as smoothly as they were hoping. Yeah. Well, it was a big, fairly big acquisition for them in comparison to whatever all the other stuff they've done in the past decade and the bigger acquisition, the more complex it is as well. So maybe it'll just take longer. One thing I didn't hear you say, and that one was a big one for me was uh, cyclicality of the business. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you just forgot, it down, no. for, forgot about <laughs> it, but, uh, I think, uh, I think you probably agree that, uh, earnings are kind of cyclical mm-hmm. and we might be kind of in a cyclical high. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to say, but, I mean, the, in 2009, their earnings were zero mm-hmm. after they had pretty good earnings in like 2006, 2007. And then I don't know, it took like till 2012 or so to even just get back to the earnings of 2006, 2007. Yeah. So it's it's not, from what I've seen, it's not kind of as smooth as the railroads in terms of like growing earnings year after year. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily negative if you... As long as you average out, yeah, their earnings through the cycle or whatever, and uh, fair enough, you don't just prorate their best year earnings yeah. going forward or whatever. Which which we're probably at right now. Yeah, like right now is yeah. like their exactly. highest earnings well. on paper. It in might history. go a little bit higher, but on average, it you know if you look over the ten years, it, it could go down. Lower. Yeah, I, that's an issue. But yeah, it, I guess just it being a cyclical company company in itself is maybe not necessarily negative. Mm-hmm. I think they are typically not as good uh, businesses, cyclical businesses as they. No, as, in, yeah, in general, yeah. Yeah, but uh, doesn't necessarily make it a bad investment if you buy it at the right price. Uh, you you mentioned uh, market share growth. I think uh, 
that, that that's been slowing so that's kind of a negative to me mm-hmm. um you know when, if they were growing like uh their business at 10 12 percent like 15 years ago 20 years ago uh they seem to be growing them uh, the business more like at like six percent or so maybe per year mm-hmm. so uh it's no surprise when you're going from like 10 percent market share to 30 percent you're probably not it's a lot harder to go to 50 percent market share yeah um the pension adjustments I, the, there was quite a few in the last decade or so where they had pretty big write downs basically mm-hmm. and yeah so it's it's kind of questionable how how good are the gap earnings when you know every f- every few years you like half your earnings goes to like right. filling up your gap on on pensions yeah so that's one thing i didn't like too much uh and yeah is there uh is there kind of a threat from like something like Uber or so. Like I, I know there's like some small companies that do kind of, you know, delivery for, for see, packages. So you, you is, see, taxi cabs deliver stuff around around here or uh, in certain spots. I'm, I'm just thinking, like yeah. you know, it was like at some point you never thought, like, oh yeah, like you would take a ride from a private person in yep. their vehicle or you would stay at somebody's house like for Airbnb. Yeah. So is it like completely outlandish that maybe at some point there's like some companies that kind of use like people as... Or drone deliveries or... <laughs> yeah. I guess it's, you know what, it's probably still a bit out and I don't well, know. Well, I mean, I guess there's always that... I think if it was... Yeah, and it would happen quickly. I mean, you look yeah. how quickly Uber happened. Yeah. I find it mm. and it's really turned that industry upside down at least yeah. in the cities that yeah. it's accepted. So that, that was yeah. kind of, well, you, you're not going to have people flying private planes for, for the express yeah. uh, part of the business, no. but yeah. like delivery vans, there could be some competition or, but I think at the end of the day, you, you still have like the distribution centers and I don't know, somebody has to manage the whole, uh, logistics and stuff so yeah I, I don't know it's always the problem that it, it, everyone always talks about it the, the last mile problem how to get that mm. that that package delivered the last mile and make sure it's yeah. you know cost effective but you at the same time if you're just using i don't know what the solution or the threat would be necessarily but you need to have um economies of scale in terms of like pat like one truck using yeah. as ma- having as many packages as possible in relation to the cost of the driver, the cost of the depreciating the truck and, and the cost of the fuel in the truck. Right. Yeah. So a guy in a taxi cab who might be taking two parcels or something hmm. might not have the economies of scale or he might, if he's already going to be in that area. And if you have an algorithm that can figure that out, <laughs> I, I know there, there is a company who does yeah. that. who was like, okay, we take, you know, you drive to work in the morning or so yeah. from out of the city to yeah. center of the city and you're picking up some parcels on the way and then on your route like that you take to work, you're dropping off parcels. So it, you're yeah. kind of on the way anyways. <laughs> so it's a one hour but commute. <laughs> it seems logistically not that easy to do, yeah. but, you know, I don't know. Uh, I think if it would have been as good... Uh, or as uh, kind of destructive as like Uber was for the cab industry, then I think it would have been more popular already. There's definitely companies yeah. who are trying to do it. So yeah. I don't know. It's just something that was kind of on my mind. Well, um, you always, if you're investing in a company that based on the moat, you should always think about be thinking about the threats that could be happening because they're always on the on the. Uh, there's always someone who's trying to penetrate a moat because if it's a big margin, that's mm. what attracts people to penetrate that big margin yeah well this one doesn't seem like very big margin when i no that's true <laughs> looked at their numbers yeah. but um management i think i mean it's been you were talking about the ceo fred smith obviously he's done an excellent job growing his business from what it was in uh, the early 70s and i think he's he's had a lot of foresight and be able to see where the industry is going and, and uh you know, investing in the technology that the FedEx has and kind of being the leader in that field. 
um, yeah, if, if, if you held this stock from a long enough or some, you know, from when it was founded, you've been done really well. So I think that management has done a really good job. Yeah. And I think also they've been working really hard at solidifying their, their motor protecting and growing their network and, and, uh, and their brand name. So I think they've done a pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we're talking about like the, from 78 or so, like the stock return 12% annualized plus dividends. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy, he inherited like 4 million in 1970 and started or founded FedEx in like 71. And now he's worth 4 billion. And if you kind of, uh, do some math, you kind of get a, he compounded his, his money around like 16% per year mm-hmm. over like 47 years or something like that. It's, uh, phenomenal track record i would say and uh yeah i think he's an honest guy he's uh kind of visionary and uh you know he knows how to build a company to that lasts so i feel very comfortable i I would feel very comfortable giving him my money to invest and um yeah i guess the point is that he's like 74 years old now but doesn't mean that he's not going to be on the helm for another 12 years or so. Buffett's 86. Buffett's so. high 80s and Munger's mid 90s. Yeah. <laughs> Some yeah. guys have the habit of living a long, long okay. life. So and he seems, certainly seems healthy, but... Um, yeah, I guess either way you can feel very comfortable with management. Yeah. I don't think that's an issue no, with this company. I think here. it's... Uh, yeah, if you get this company for the right price, yeah, you can be confident that management is going to do a relatively good job mm. in protecting your investment. Mm, Moat and competitors. Yep, yeah, Moat. I think they they have uh, a fairly strong moat that's pretty hard to penetrate. We met, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, I think their network is the. The span of their network and, uh, you know, taking that shipment right to final delivery and offering that service to so many different destinations is, is, is huge. And having that uh, transparent uh, um, software and technology to be able to look at that, uh, follow your shipment the whole way. And um, uh, yeah, I guess there's not many competitors in, in that industry. So I guess that's always kind of a mode. To an extent, when you only have like two competitors or so, yeah, two, I three. think it's, yeah, I mean, for at least when you're talking globally, I think they, it's, it's very limited who their competitors are yeah. from a global perspective. I think each country they they almost compete with the national post carrier, yeah. or they work with them and then they compete against them. And uh, but I think. In terms of if you look at a global perspective and the service that they're offering, they, they are one of the few that are offering that type of expansive net, uh, service. Mm. And then I think even in the U.S., they, they're uh, kind of with the U.S. Post and uh, UPS, it's it's very strong. Mm-hmm. They're, like all, they're very kind of entrenched in the whole business uh, of that country. Like, like DHL, I guess, I don't know when that was, like 2008 or so, they tried to get in the business, and then five years later, they kind Just of, with billions of losses, they're kind of like, okay, never mind, we're not focusing There's on room this for stuff two, anymore. But not for three. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or room for three, but not yeah. for four. Yeah. Or it's hard to just duplicate uh, that, that network, right? And I guess DHL, they, they're like, okay, we don't have the network, so we use uh, US Post to kind of do the last mile delivery. And then mm-hmm. FedEx said, oh, yeah, we'll do that too. Yeah. And it's just, I guess it's, DHL will be not on the mind of the people. Like when they're like, I want to ship something, they'll probably think FedEx or UPS first. Or Yeah. So I think, yeah, the fact that DHL failed miserably uh, kind of shows that it's, uh, pretty uh that they have a pretty strong Strongly, market yeah. precision yeah that's they, they probably invested well they invested a lot of money to, to to enter that market yeah and uh yeah to pull out of it is fairly quickly is 
a sign that it's a strong yeah. indication yeah. of what's going on in the, <laughs> in the competitive environment yeah in this. Or it's just a misunderstanding it or or yeah i mean remember well sometimes it's just you know like like what did buffett say is like oh give me like a hundred billion dollars mm-hmm. and tell me to like compete against coca-cola and yeah. be like i can't be done so yeah maybe sometimes it's just not wise to try to compete in certain areas no i i agree and it's funny it's like this reminds me of you know, there's been some American uh, retailers that have come to Canada thinking, okay, we're moving to Canada because it's uh, very similar to the U.S. and, you know, we'll just, they'll do well there. But I remember Target came in here and they, they, they pulled out really quickly because their model, for some reason, just didn't work in the mar- mar- the Canadian marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Walmart does fine here. There's <laughs> many, many American companies that do fine, yeah. right? But Yeah. So, anyways. Growth and free cash flow. Um, yeah, they haven't been very many, uh, you know, buybacks. Um, and dividend is really quite small for mm-hmm. the company. So, a lot of the money has been kept in the business and reinvested uh, either through um, some acquisitions like TNT was a big one, mm-hmm. um, but they do, they occasionally and quite regularly do smaller acquisitions on top of that. But a lot of it's just investing and expanding their network within their own service offering, offering, whether it's buying, well, they haven't really bought, increased the size or fleet of planes or for a long time, but I think, you know, whether it's growing FedEx ground or building new warehouse or distribution points or sorting facilities, I think that's where a lot of the money's been going. Mm-hmm. over the years so and it's you know they get pretty good return when they've been investing in the in the business um so it's made sense and uh yeah, yeah. I, I think it made well it, it still seems to make sense when i yeah. kind of compare like their returns on on for their gross capex and kind of what you get when they're paying out uh, their earnings but uh, it seemed to make a lot more sense probably 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. It seemed to have grown a lot faster. So kind of what I saw over the last 15 years, maybe organic growth, maybe around 6% per year. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. Like Sometimes it's like, oh, what's your starting point? What's your end point? And uh, how much of that was uh, um, acquisitions and funded by debt. But it seems kind of like to me it was roughly about 6% per year. And um, I don't know if that will accelerate again or if that will be just kind of a growth rate that they will have to live with now. I'm not sure. Yeah. But uh, I'm not I'm not comfortable assuming a higher growth rate than 6%. No. Uh, and uh, yeah. In terms of uh, free cash flow, um, when I look back over the last like 15 years or so, it looked about that uh, from the cash from operations, about 50% go back uh, in in as the kind of uh, maintenance capex. And then the other 50% is kind of cash that they can use for gross or for paying out. And basically uh, 80% of uh of the cash from operations is used for capex which is i don't know let's say cash from operations somewhere between five and six billion dollars mm-hmm. i'm gonna assume five billion dollars because that's kind of what it was over the last like four years or so and now it seems to be trending a bit higher but then you also have the issues of the one-time cost of tnt acquisition which that's not one time they kind of keep uh, plowing money into it and then you have uh, the pension that they're topping up so that costs you money and uh, yeah so there's a bunch of stuff where uh, you know maybe cyclicality maybe we're on a cyclical high yeah. so maybe that six billion is not realistic yeah. in terms of uh, kind of cash coming in consistently uh, so I'm so I'm assuming five billion so if you're saying Five billion and fifty uh, percent is the maintenance capex, so you're at two point five billion for maintenance capex, and then two point five for investment. Of that two point five, they've used about a billion for buyback and dividends, which 
on a market cap of 45 billion that's like 2.2 percent return i guess the the dividend is like 1.6 percent and then they've barely bought back any shares like you said so it's like another 0.6 percent per year so you get into about 2.2 percent return but that's i guess depending on their market cap right if they're trading for 60 billion it's going to be even less uh and but even at uh at uh, 45 billion market cap that uh, 1 billion payout is not a lot of cash that's going back to shareholder so it all depends on gross like how much uh, uh, can they increase their sales per year and that just wasn't really there for me no in in the last 15 years or so no it's yeah and i guess yeah i think part of the problem with this company is, is that it's just very uh, capital intensive and I think part of it is, is that it's uh, it's already so big so how much more can it grow on an annual basis yeah I think the the growth issue is definitely I mean you, you can somewhat just well we can go into valuation right now and yeah. uh, um, you can kind of justify it I think at today's price somewhat like, you know, their growth, maybe 5% or 4%. And that might be reasonable with the, with the, where the stock price is right now. But if you was trading at $274, I think that would have been, well, I'll just go with my, my, my owner's earnings estimate for, for FedEx was probably around two. I think it was around two to $2.3 billion. Okay. And basically that's just taking the, the cash flow of operations and, and normalized depreciation and um, and coming up with an estimate around that. I got to 2.5. Yeah, like, very like similar. Maybe a little bit higher. And then I thought, well, what's the multiple I'd be willing to pay for this business? You know, I think 18 if they had good, if they allocated the capital well going forward. Um, although we don't really know if they're going to continue just keep investing in the business regardless if, if returns start going down and they stop, they don't, ever buy back shares or if the shares don't really get down to a realistic level Mm -hmm. um, or they never increase the dividend. Um, So based off that, I think uh, the realistic, I think right around today, the price of 171, maybe a little bit less is a realistic price to is the intrinsic intrinsic value of the business. Um, I don't think, yeah. I don't think it's 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 worth much more than that. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, so when I looked at uh, kind of how much they're they're kind of paying off owners uh, of cash flow from operations uh, in terms of uh, maintenance capital, uh, then uh, I got like to two point five billion or so, roughly of mm-hmm. of five billion. Like I got to fifty percent. Seems sometimes a little bit higher sometimes a little bit lower over the last 15 years so now if they're having cash flow five to six billion so then i'm getting somewhere from 2.5 to 3 billion owners earnings if you look at net profit margin over the last 15 years that average out actually to about four percent so if you're talking about 65 billion of revenue and uh four percent profit margin on that then you're talking about 2.6 billion in earnings uh so yeah uh for me same thing i kind of uh used the normalized earnings of about 2.5 billion then and multiplied that by 15 to 20 and i get to somewhere of like 37 to uh, 50 billion uh, market cap and uh, uh, yeah so I, I'm thinking too it's probably uh, fairly valued now yeah I would say first looking at the business when you just look at the PE ratio it's kind of like oh it went from maybe normal price to like cheap price but looking at uh, uh, kind of the owner earnings uh, over the last like 15 years and looking at uh, free cash flow and looking at growth rates it looks more to me like that it went from an expensive business to fairly priced or maybe mm. slightly cheap but yeah. i i don't think you get a margin of safety if if you buy it right now no no i would agree and 
it's kind of slightly disappointing because you know when you saw FedEx drop that much and uh, yeah. without even looking or doing evaluation beforehand, you, 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 I, I was kind of expecting a better deal once we did the the deep dive into this company. But uh, well, you know, I mean, it's not the worst case scenario if someone buys at this price. You know, if they're just it's a, it's a lot safer price to buy it when than when it was at two hundred seventy four. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if you're if you're just building a retirement portfolio and your yeah. expectations are, are, but it's not a, yeah, there's not a huge margin of safety, which is uh, yeah. if anything else went wrong, and it still only pays one point six percent dividend. Oh, and then you're looking at like maybe the Amazon risk or like an Uber like kind of, mm-hmm. even so that's a little bit smaller, but it's just not quite as cheap. It's also interesting. I was surprised that it had a net profit margin average of like 4% over the last 15 years. And last year it was 7%. So I guess that's also why earnings per share uh, kind of look quite good. Really good yeah. But is it going to be 7% on average over the next 10 years? I doubt it. Yeah. I'm quite skeptical on that. So it's something to consider as well. Uh, do you have any uh, thoughts on like the absolute downside on this? Like, um, I don't think if you bought at today's price, there would be a huge downside risk. I think their their moat's pretty strong. I don't think the Amazon threat is 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 too big right now. And I think even if it did become a threat, I don't think FedEx is not going to be taken over. Or, or lose all their business in one night. There's a lot of, they are embedded into a lot of offices throughout the world. You know, you have your FedEx envelopes in the mailroom, and um, so it's it's it wouldn't you wouldn't lose all your all your investment overnight. So I think it's a pretty pretty safe bet at this at this level. Um, yeah, do I, you agree? I agree with that. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts? Is it a above average business? I wouldn't say it's above average business. I, I yeah, it's it's a tough business to be in, be in, and and I think they've done really well at it, and they've they've had some you know help with the, taking advantage of the tailwinds from uh, growth in e-commerce and uh, just globalization in general, and they've been very attuned to uh, you know uh, taking advantage of those and adapting to those changes. Um, but again, it's 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 not a superb business that has you know yeah still still the capital intensiveness and Mm -hmm. just still seems to be pricing pressures like it's not quite like the railroads that kind of set a lot of their prices and people have to accept so there's still competition between these different companies even so they're kind of in an oligopoly um Average price business or below or above? Um, it's an average price business. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a fair conclusion. I agree with that. Uh, from uh, 1 to 10, what's your interest in the business? 5 right now. I give it a 4. I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to go to a price where it's really going to interest me anytime soon. No, and I and I I find if this stock could go back up to two fifty, if it if uh, if the trade war settles itself out this year, and then it'd just be get back to that level, it doesn't make any sense for based on the the uh, future economics of the business. So yeah, yeah, I could see the price return uh, to mid two two hundreds or so. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, stocks a lot of times they kind of uh, are volatile. They they'll move up a lot or down a lot, and then they quickly not, recover. Yeah. Well, but, things, nothing's changed with the business. It's like I remember what about a year, a year and a half ago, we were look, we looked at Chipotle, mm-hmm. and uh, I think at the time we were like, oh yeah, if it gets down to two forty, two twenty, or to, something yeah. like that, it was a two two eighty or two seventy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, and they they got the new CEO from I think Taco Bell, or yeah. and it just shot up again. And uh, I think it's, things have modestly gotten better. I don't, I don't know. I haven't looked at it again, but uh, yeah, yeah. 
it it can definitely happen but i don't i i don't think at 240 that it uh, kind of offers a lot of upside kind of when you look at what their uh kind of what their margins are what their revenue is mm-hmm. uh what their gross rates no. are so uh even at current prices i think it's it's a fair price but yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't buy just because it dropped yeah no it's uh so it's a pass for us. I I, I think that's a fair fair assessment. <laughs> uh, it's it's unfortunate because like, <coughs> well not unfortunate but uh, um, anytime you look into in, uh, do research on a business it's, you get you get value out of it. But there's been a lot of other stocks that have dropped considerably. Yeah, some of the ones we've talked about on this podcast, like mm-hmm. Fairfax India um, and uh, Aircap Aircap. So. Um, yeah, yeah. Probably you'd like to do research on a stock that's done drop forty percent, and then you realize, oh wait, this is really undervalued now. Mm. But you can't tell necessarily. That's why you got to do research all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? I feel like I might be wrong, and I might underestimate this business a little bit, and maybe the growth rates will pick up. But it's just not. Like, I just don't see it right now. Like, when I look at the numbers from the last 15 years, I don't see it. And just because of that, I'd rather stay away than just speculate. There's just other stuff that I liked more before the market went down. And some of those things went down with the market. Like, I even Mm -hmm. liked uh, Berkshire at 220, and now it's 196. I haven't added at all, but still, it's, you know, yeah. Um, is there a kind of valuation where you would think an investment in this would? Yeah, I think. Well, I think the intrinsic value—it's trading it around intrinsic value right now. So, if you build in a thirty percent margin of safety, then yeah, thirty percent less than that—it's yeah. probably what I would think it would probably be a good. And it's yeah. so one twenty-ish yeah. or so, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking 100, 120, but you know, if it really goes that low, I think there's a lot of other stocks that go lower yeah. too. That seems to be the case with a lot of uh, these types of companies. That's you know, yeah, it would be great to own, yeah. but the point where it's it's going to be really cheap, there's going to be a lot of other stuff too that that's it's likely cheap. Be exciting to to look into as well and invest in. Um, hmm. So, but yeah. Um, Anything else on this business? No, I don't. I'm not going to follow up on this business on FedEx too much. Uh, yeah, that's. Yeah, I think one <laughs> thing is interesting is how like some businesses really dropped a lot that were very stable for the last five six years of like blue blue chip stocks not a lot or no no there was a few like uh looked at Kraft Heinz and Budweiser it's kind of like like Coca-Cola didn't drop but like there was a quite Procter and Gamble they just like they seem expensive to me and I already mentioned that when we were talking about Coca-Cola but now you you're kind of like okay is it really does it really make sense to pay a 65 billion for FedEx where like you know at 270 dollars that that was the market cap when uh, they're paying out like a billion in 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 earnings and they're growing at like six percent it's like that's quite risky and uh, you know you can't just assume oh it's a blue chip yeah I can buy it yeah they like really look at uh, really how much cash flow do they generate and I think that's probably like Kraft Heinz, Budweiser, so that they just went too high and then they're dropping like losing like 40% in market cap. Yeah. So, so just, so in, in, if you, if you don't do your research and you just see the, the 30, 40% decline and you just like, Oh, it's gotta be a good deal. Now and you buy you, it's, you're not necessarily getting a good day deal. You might, you're just getting an, an average deal. Yeah. And, uh, but still much better than yeah, buying this stuff. It's true. It was so expensive. But then there's, so, yeah, if you buy one of those that went from really pricey to moderate pricey, that's, yeah, that's better than continually <laughs> plow your money into something that's expensive, really expensive because, yeah. and, uh, and at least like with, with FedEx and, uh, uh, 
with more staple com- uh, consumer product companies, you can uh, kind of assess when it is expensive, when it's moderately expensive, because the, their futures are somewhat more predictable than uh, some tech companies where, okay, something looks really cheap right now. Mm. And all the metrics are saying it's cheap based on its history, it's cheap, but then everything just implodes and it's gone in, yeah. in, in a few years. I mean, I remember in, in Nortel and, and every time it went down 20, 25%, Everyone was like, oh, yeah, now it's a buy. Now it's a buy. And then it just kept doing. And same with BlackBerry back in the day, mm-hmm. you know, and eventually. Yeah. I mean, BlackBerry is still around, but uh, uh, Nortel isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and BlackBerry, you weren't too happy if you bought that at the top. No, no, you're still not happy, yeah, <laughs> even though they're still around. Yeah. Um, hey, do you have any thoughts on the market in general? Uh, it's like all the volatility that's been going on lately. I, I don't know what we were like. I don't know. I don't think we were 20% off the top, but maybe 15 or so percent down from the top, something like that. I think as of today, I guess we're a little bit 13% more than percent down from the 52-week higher. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of for, for people like us or value investors, it's kind of nice to see mm. when you see a huge drop in the market and it's a lot better picture for looking for undervalued investments than it was uh three months ago Mm -hmm. so um i'm pretty excited i mean going into this i was fully invested Mm -hmm. i'm still fully invested and and to me the opportunity is is, as a trade-off between you know taking one company that uh is you know fairly priced and taking that money out and moving it to something that's 40% underpriced. Okay. And there were a few stocks that I had where it wasn't a huge amount of money that in, compared to my whole portfolio, but I took those, they didn't move with the market at all. Mm. They stayed at the same price and, uh, which was what I thought was around their intrinsic value and just moved it to other companies that were, went down 30 Okay. It just it just kind of opens up some more opportunities, but you're yeah. not really like holding more cash or less cash, or it's, you're kind of no. stagnant. Yeah, I think. What what are you like ten percent cash when you? I I don't when you're saying fully invested. I doubt that you're hundred percent. I would say well, ninety five percent invested. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. 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 I think I'm I'm ninety percent invested and ten percent yeah. cash. I, I bought a little bit when it was kind of at the bottom and I sold off a little bit. And mm. I, now that it came back a little bit, but um, I don't know. I, I think a recession could still happen could happen, and it yeah. could still drop 30%. And But I guess 10% cash is not really like going to make a difference if stocks drop 30%. Mm. But I'm, I'm kind of thinking maybe I can take on some leverage, get some loans. If it if the stock market drops like thirty percent or so, maybe if it drops fifteen percent, then I go full hundred percent invested. But I don't think I would add right now, like from my cash. I don't think I would go go more yes, if the stock market goes up. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I guess that everybody kind of has different risk tolerance. But I one thing I agree with you is like. I enjoy seeing the market go down kind of, um, you know, I'm still earning a salary uh, besides my investments income. <laughs> so uh, it, that I can put that, uh, I can use that to buy stocks in the future. So it's better yeah. to buy them at lower price. Uh, some of the companies that I own buy back stock. So they buy it back at a lower price. That's good. And if it goes even lower, then maybe it starts making sense maybe to take on some leverage as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it makes any sense at uh, current market prices because I don't think it's really cheap, the stock market in general right now. No. I and mean, it's not, and I don't find that many stocks where I'm like, oh, they're hugely undervalued. Maybe some of them I feel like are slightly undervalued. Yeah. It's important like that to develop that mindset of really just being confident in your analysis and and not really looking at the the market of the whole and and just focusing on your investments that you have and what you think they're worth and what they're trading for right now on the market 
and then having some sort of margin of safety built into that. And it's, that's the hardest thing to do in an investment is for, for anyone is to, to, to take that emotion out of it and not, not get stressed out when they see some, you know, their, their number one holding go down 20% Mm -hmm. and, uh, and not think I'm 20% poor today or I've lost that money. You still own the same percentage of that company as you did before. Maybe, maybe even more if they buy back Mm -hmm. shares. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you have, like we, we talk about Berkshire and Fairfax are, are two big positions. I think we, we both have, and, uh, we know Berkshire was buying at, in the low two hundreds and they're probably still buying back shares, you know, in the mid nineties, I would assume. So yeah, like one nineties, one nineties. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's to me, it's to me, it's good news. It's I'm confident they're, they're, they're putting the cash, their huge cash hoard to work. Yeah. Uh, so that's good for me. And I think Fairfax is, um, well, <laughs> They said they were going to buy back shares uh, over the next de- decade, um, but time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People, depends if you you trust Prime Watson or not. Well, yeah, I, I, I trust that he'll do whatever's right or what yeah. he thinks is the best right. best way to employ his cash. But um, talking about Berkshire, Ber- Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting coming up. Uh, I guess. We, we already booked in November and I think we should have mentioned this, uh, um, probably last year because now it's probably hard to get reasonable flights and reasonable hotels. Maybe hotels no, is, I, is I, okay. Yeah. I flights, know. I think, is harder to get around now. I but mean, it all depends on what's yeah. reasonable to you and, uh, yeah. where you fly. We're flying into Des Moines or something like that. But, yeah. Uh, Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Um, and then hotels, yeah, but they book up fast and, uh, but we both really enjoy going to these meetings. I think uh, we would highly recommend people that are interested in stocks to maybe attend one. If you've never attended one in, in your life, yeah. maybe, uh, look into it. If you can still get uh, reasonable flights, uh, and reasonable hotels, um, might be something you might be interested in. Yeah. It's a really fun thing to go to. I think mm. this is our, what, our th- third time going? I think it'll be our third time, yeah. Third time, yeah. I think, I think we initially missed, we were just like... We missed it in 2018 because we kind of decided to book pretty late and then really I couldn't find any proper flights. It was like 24 hours to get right. to the meeting and I'm like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> For a weekend. Uh, yeah. yeah. Even if you extended the trip to, to a week, you're going to be in Omaha, yeah. Nebraska for a week. They have yeah. a really good zoo, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I think that's all I had. Yeah, that's all I had today. Okay, well, thanks, everyone, for listening, then. Bye. Disclaimer. This podcast does not constitute investment advice. It is for entertainment and educational purposes only. Do your own due diligence and use the information provided at your own risk.